Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. seven and the angel of the church in Philadelphia write these things saith he that is holy he that is true he that hath the key of David he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth I know thy works and behold I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. He said, I have set before thee an open door. I just want to use the time that we have here this morning to minister from this subject, God's open door policy. God's open door policy. Would you lift up your voices with me once again and let's pray for God's help, his anointing, his touch in the remainder of our service. Jesus, we look to you once again. We know that without you, God, we're incapable. But with your anointing, with your touch, with your help, God, we know that you can help us to see the impossible happen here today as far as humanly speaking. We know, Jesus, that you're not limited in any way, and you can reach. You can reach everybody that's in this room, everybody that may be connecting with us online. I'm praying that you would touch, minister, work, perform miracles in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And would you clap your hands to him in thanksgiving. <clears throat> Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. This text has been popularized by many modern preachers. It's not an unfamiliar text. And it is packed, just these two short verses, is packed with some very powerful principles that I feel that we often overlook or we fail to really see the essence of. When the Lord introduces himself, he says to the angel, which he is referring to the pastor or the preacher in these churches, when he addresses them in that way, and he says to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, he does proclaim five particular virtues of his character and his blessing that is upon them and what he has in store for them. And he tells them very first thing that he relays to the church of Philadelphia. And when we think about the church of Philadelphia, out of all of the seven churches of the book of Revelation, this is the one that is considered to be the model church. This is the one that we always think of as being the example church. Uh, every other church, there was at least... Uh, minor things that need to be corrected and some of them very major things that need to be corrected. But he proclaims five virtues of his character and his ability to this 
church of Philadelphia. First, he says that he is holy. And often we describe, when we are describing the character of God or the attributes of God, we often affix love as being the major or the most prominent of his character or his attributes. But really, that's a misnomer. Uh, the overarching and I, I suppose the greatest attribute of God according to the word of the Lord is the fact that he is a holy God. And his holiness is first and foremost. He describes himself all the way back in the Old Testament, the very beginnings back in the book of Leviticus. He is telling them that he's a holy God. And this holy God, it's repeated over and over again. And in the book of Psalms, the psalmist would write about how holy he is and the beauty of his holiness. You know, sometimes in this world today, when people think about holiness, they think of it as being a negative term. Or for some reason, it has adopted in some people's minds a negative connotation. But that is simply not the way it should be. In fact, we are serving a holy God and it's because of his holiness that we too can become holy. Not in our flesh, not in our own ability, not in, in our own ingenuity, but because of the help of the Lord and because of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us, we too can be holy. And that's why the Bible says, Be ye holy as I am holy. Amen. So he tells us that he is a holy God. And he is relaying this and reminding the church of Philadelphia that he is, in fact, a holy God. I'm thankful for a God that, uh, with wickedness abounding, with, with evil on every side, he's not tainted by any of it. He's not affected by any of it. None of this affects the holiness of God. His holiness is so brilliant and so radiant that it affects what it touches, but what touches him does not change his character. That's not true with you and I. Amen. We, we are affected by our surroundings. We're affected by our environment. We are impacted by uh, things that we come in contact with. Uh, you work in a dirty environment, you're going to uh, no matter how much you try and how much you are careful and how conscientious you are, you're going you're gonna to invariably get a stain or a spot or a blemish on you. And you're going to be affected by that. You come in contact with certain things, you can't help but, but take on the nature of those things. You, you touch something that is uh, greasy, you're going to have... Uh, greasy clothes, and uh, you're going to have stains on your clothing. They're going to be very difficult to get out. But God is not that way. I read in the scripture where, where the leper touched him, but he didn't become a leper. The leper became whole. I read in the word of God where people with infirmities touched him, and he didn't take on their infirmity, but the infirmity was healed and dried up in their body as a result of touching the Lord. That's the power of His holiness. Amen. That's the power of how pure and how wonderful our God is. And aren't you thankful to know Him in that attribute? Aren't you thankful that we're serving a holy God? 
And then he goes on to describe himself as true, true. And uh, there's a lot of things that we could talk about there. And I know that when we think of true or truth, uh, uh, we think of something that is in its purest form. We think of something that uh, can be relied upon. When, when I think of something that is true, uh, I think of it being what it is described to be. Uh, if, if the descriptive terms that are used or maybe the specs that are giving, given on a particular piece of machinery or something that you purchase, an appliance, there's, there's specifications that are given to describe that. And uh, a lot of times we know that sometimes the product doesn't live up to the description. But that's not true with God. For whatever is ascribed to God, He is that and more. Matter of fact, there's not enough words to describe His goodness to us, His mercy and the depths of it, His grace and, and His goodness and benefits and blessings in our lives. It's unfathomable. In fact, you cannot describe it. You cannot, you cannot express it. You cannot really articulate or define it in the English language. It goes beyond all that we in our limited vocabulary, are able to describe about God. But He is true. In other words, He is trustworthy. Amen. And, and if you need to rely upon Him and lean upon Him, you can trust that He's going to be there. He's not going to fail you when the time gets rough. When, when times are, are turning against you, it seems, you can rely upon God. He's a true friend, the Bible said, because He sticks closer than a brother. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, in another place, I'll be with you even to the end of the world. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, yeah. The psalmist said in 33 and 4, the word of God is right and all its work is done in truth. Whatever God has said or spoken through holy men of old, and given to us in His Word, we can rely upon it. Every promise, uh, everything that is given to us in the Word of the Lord, we don't have to doubt it. We don't have to wonder about it. We don't have to look at our conditions and say, well, perhaps God has changed His mind as a result of human conditions that are going on in this world. Men change their mind, but God, uh, He isn't apt to change His mind because of the conditions or because He's challenged. Because you and I, we may be faced with challenge, but our God is not challenged. I said our God has never met a foe that he couldn't defeat. Nothing has ever rose against him that prospered. Nothing that ever came as an enemy approaching the Lord was ever able to defeat him. He always is triumphant. He is always victorious. He is always able to help us to overcome. Amen. Clap your hands to him and give him praise. Then he, then he makes mention in this text, he, he says he has the key of, of David. And I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but that has been one of those mysteries of this text. And it's referred to again in Isaiah 22 and 22, uh, the key of David. So this is something that is a theme in the word of the Lord and it would be good for us to understand at least a little bit about what it means, the key of David. 
And what he is referencing here is the Davidic covenant or the prophecies that were going to be fulfilled through the lineage of David. Uh, we know that, that Christ would come through the lineage on the human side of David. That was prophesied all the way back. And David, as you know, was a man after God's own heart. A man that served the Lord was chosen among his brethren. He was considered to be the least of them. He was considered to be the less likely, if you will, uh, the least qualified in the eyes of men, but obviously not in the eyes of God. And I could spend a little time talking about that today. People discount folks because of what they see with their carnal eye. Even Samuel, when he went to anoint a king of Jesse's sons, he discounted because of the appearance of David. And the Lord reminded him, he said, don't look on the outward appearance, but I look on the heart, and if you could see the heart of this young man, you would understand why I have chosen him. While others have been preoccupied with all of the things of this world, David has been there overseeing his father's flock with a harp in his hand, writing songs of worship unto me and giving himself and praise and thanksgiving to me and has built a relationship with me. And so this is a young man. He's not perfect. Uh, he's going to have some major flaws along the way and failures. But one thing you can say for David is he's determined and he'll get back up again and he'll continue. You know, that's what we need in this hour is some folks that have some determination. Come on. We need some folks that have some grit about them. We need some folks that are willing to get up and dust themselves off when they're knocked down and say, you know what, this is not going to be the finality of the matter. This is not going to be the thing that is written as an epitaph over, over my life. This is not going to be what they're going to write on my tombstone. I'm not going to leave this as a legacy, but I am going to get up and serve the Lord, and I'm going to do the will of God. So when we think of David, we don't think of his failures as much, uh, but what we think of is a man after God's own heart. What we think of as a man that was a worshiper of God. What we think of as a man that was able to pray and touch the Lord. What we think of is a man that was able to get in touch with God before his time and talk about things that really he had never experienced in this life but was able to tap into through the Spirit. Somebody said, what are you talking about? Well, I read in Psalm 51 where he talked about, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. This was a man that had never experienced the Holy Ghost just like you and I have. But he was able to tap into something prophetically. He was able to live. I'm going to tell you, when you really give your life to serving God, you can tap into things. You can get into the realm of the Spirit you don't have to be caught off guard. You don't have to just live where you are in the present situation. But you can get ahead. Uh, I said you can live in a place that gets ahead of the problems and the challenges of now and says, God, I see a future that is brighter. I may have fallen. I may have made some mistakes. But I see a future that you're going to give me and you're going to bless me and I'm going to rise again. I'm not going to stay down. Come on, a just man falleth seven times. But what? What? 
he gets back up. That's what you need to do, sir. That's what you need to do, man. If you've lost your prayer life, get back up again. If you've lost your worship, get back up again. If you've lost your faithfulness to God, get back up again. If you failed along the way, don't stay down and don't let that characterize your life, but get back up again. Oh, yes, let's clap our hands to the Lord. You know, some people want to use circumstances in their life as a crutch. This is the reason why I'm this way. This is the reason I am what I am, because of this. If I'd had the advantages of this other person, if I'd had their job, their money, if I'd had their opportunities, if I'd went to their church or had their pastor, I'd have done this or done that. No, you'd still be you. You'd still be leaning on the same crutch that you've been leaning on all of these years. Amen. That's right. Whether you believe it or not, that is correct. Because people allow circumstances to be a crutch to them. I've had this trouble. I've had that problem. I've had this. And so that's all they want to discuss. And that's all they want to talk about. And that's all that comes up in conversation instead of talking about what God is able to do and how God is able to bless and how God is able to fulfill his promises in my life. And God is not bound by my circumstances, but God is in control of everything. And if I can get in alignment with God and his will, and if I can get in tune with his purpose, and if I can get in subjection to his spirit, he'll lead me into places that I need to go. He'll lead me beside the still waters. He'll lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. And I don't have to fear any evil. I don't have to fear what any man's going to do to me. As long as i got God on my side, I'm going to be victorious. I don't have to fret for evildoers. I don't have to worry about the things of this world. Come on, folks. Get your mind off of everything that's going on out there. That is superficial compared to what's going on right here in the Word of God. This is what I'm talking about and preaching from today. It's going to live longer than politics is going to live. It's going to live longer than the U.S. of A. is going to live. This is what I'm preaching about. is going to live for eternity. And whose side are you going to be on then? You better make heaven your home. You better get your focus on the lights of heaven. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can get so focused on things down here. You get so focused on things in this life. If this here would change, if that would change. You ever thought that God may be in control of all of this? Yeah. You ever thought that God may have a say in all of this? Praise the Lord. Amen. And God is going to, to, to set things right. God is in control. We have to trust in him. We're not citizens necessarily of this old world. We're just pilgrims. We're just sojourners. We're like Abraham. We're searching for a city whose builder and maker is God. Too many people are living too much comfortable in this world and living for this life too much and what they can get down here. I want to tell you, you better put up some treasures in heaven. You, you better stack some things up on the other side. You better start investing in eternity. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord because you know it's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I've been saying for a while, and just let me say it again, 
that the spirit that is out there in this world that's trying to bring division, trying to bring discord, that spirit is going to try to come and infiltrate the church. Because anything that happens out there, you can believe that it's going to endeavor to happen in here. And so you need to be aware of that and guard your heart now and realize now I'm not going to allow myself to be divided. I'm not going to allow myself to have ought. I'm not going to allow myself to be in discord. I'm not going to allow myself to be uh, divergent from the will of God and the purpose of God or something to disconnect me from the kingdom of God and the ultimate purpose of the Lord in my life. There's a purpose that God has for for every person that is in this place, every person that is in this house, you have to believe that, that there is a purpose for your existence, that you're not just coincidence, you're, you're not here just by happenstance, but God has a purpose for your life. And so he's talking about this, this key of David, and he's referencing this prophetic fulfillment. And he said, God is going to open things through this and this key. Well, my mind immediately turned to David and his life and how that after he was anointed over Judah, which is the southern kingdom, or southern part of the kingdom, and uh, over the house of Judah, Saul still controlled certain among Israel, certain tribes, and was still uh, reigning. And uh, so when, when David, uh, the Bible says the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker and the house of David stronger and stronger. And finally, he was anointed and there was a coronation of his taking over as king of all of Israel. And his, his desire was, was to move his headquarters or his capital from Hebron to Jerusalem. The only problem was Jerusalem was fortified. And there was some inhabitants of the land by the name of the Jebusites that had this area around Zion. They had control of it. And so he wanted to establish his kingdom there. He felt that that, and of course it was, the will of God. This, was, this is the place where everything is going to begin as far as the church is concerned. And so you can see this is, this is the directive of God to, to lead him to this place. All along, God's having his hand in this, but it was it was a fortified city. It was it was shut up. In other words, and matter of fact, they would heckle uh, the armies of David and said, "You you couldn't you couldn't the la a lame man could defend this city. We could put we could put cripples up on the walls of this city, and you could not breach this city. You could not take control. You could not siege this city. It's naturally fortified, and so there's we don't even have to really." put an army out there to try to protect it. It's just so well positioned. And that's why uh, that the psalmist wrote, David wrote, he said it's beautiful, talking about Mount Zion, it's beautiful for situation. It really was physically beautiful for situation. There was hardly an enemy that could attack it uh, from any side. And so Joab, hearing the heckling of the Jebusites and the king uh, of the Jebusites, uh, he said... I, I will give a reward to whatever man crawls up through the guttering system and the water spouts and goes up into the city and takes it 
uh, from the inside out. In other words, infiltrates this city. Doesn't break down the walls or the gates or whatever, but is able to get up into that city and uh, stage an attack and, and to take it. He said, I will give you a reward. I'll make you the captain of the host. And Joab heard this, and Joab led a group of people up into the city of Jerusalem and took it from the inside out. And so, in other words, uh, he, 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 he was able to hand David uh, a victory for a city that had been shut up and had not been opened to them. But this was the desire and the will of God for David to take the city that would be renamed from being Jebus to being Jerusalem where this area where the temple would eventually be built and the Ark of the Covenant would be brought and the presence of God uh, would be there, would dwell there symbolically and then later the gift of the Holy Ghost would initially be poured out on the day of Pentecost. So what are you saying? I'm telling you this is a place that was shut up. But David had a key because he was able to trust in God. He was able to put his faith in God. You think things are closed up and bound up in your life. You, you think things are, are never going to open up where the promises of God are concerned and the blessings of God are concerned or the prayer that you've been praying. I feel the Holy Ghost right now to tell somebody that there's a key that can unlock that door. I'm telling you we're preaching here today to some folks that God can give you a key to open up areas of your life that you never thought was ever going to open up. Are you been so impatient in times past wondering when it was ever ever going to break through, when it was ever going to take place. I want to tell you God can take uh, what you've been waiting on for years uh, and in a moment make a transition take place uh, and a breakthrough take place uh, and in a moment's time everything could be different. Uh, everything could change. Uh, God could turn it all around for you. Come on, I'm telling you, God can turn it all around for you if you'll just believe Him and trust Him. God God can open that door that seems like it's straightly shut up. God can open and make a way where there seemeth to be no way at all. Where there seems like there's no hope. When it seems like you can't go any further. When it seems like you're up against the wall. When it seems like there's no crack in it. When it seems like you can't break through. I'm telling you, I know a God that is able to do it seedy and abundantly and above all that you ask or think. Come on, why don't you stand with me right now? Let's worship the Lord together. Let's give him praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's really give him some praise right now. The Lord will help me tonight. I'll take this a little bit further, but I feel like pressing on this key of David. What is it that, that we always refer to him? What is it that makes him so distinguished? What is it that makes him so different from everybody else? You know, of course, we, we automatically think of his worship, and I could spend a lot more time talking about worship. We could talk about how that he had a, a trust in God that was abnormal for his times because when everybody else was hiding in their tents, David said, where is he? 
How dare he defile the armies of the living God? We need a little bit of that attitude and that spirit today to get a hold of us. I don't get very many amens, but that's the truth anyway. Hallelujah. Come on. We need some folks that get, get this in their guts and say, you know what? Uh, either we're children of God or not. Either we have the promises of God or not. Either we are God's people or not. Either we're God's chosen or not. Either God has promised it to us or not. It's not meant for us. To be in this position. It's not meant for us to be under siege by an enemy that really bullies and intimidates and speaks lies to us every day. That's not the will of God. And so David said, I know I'm not the biggest. I know I'm not the well, most well equipped and trained. And You may think that I'm not too smart even trying. But I have faith and courage that God is able to stand with me. God is able to help me. God is able to give me a miracle. One of the greatest victories that you read about, and I know it's been told ever since you were a Sunday school child, you've heard the story, but one of the greatest victories that you read about, one person accomplishing in the Scripture, came as a result of somebody just saying, you know what? I'm not going to live under siege and under fear. I'm going to live in faith that God is able to do what his word says he's able to do. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let that, that settle into your spirit. Come on, let that settle into your spirit. Praise God. And he said, I... But, but what is it? Is it? Was it his courage? What is it? His, his determination to get back up? What is, was it his worship and his praise? Was it? I'll tell you, at the end of the day, it could have been any and a mixture of all of those things. But the main thing was is that he realized that he was anointed of God. Before there was a giant in his life, there was an occasion in his father's front yard where a prophet came and poured the horn of oil on him and said, one of these days you're going to be king of Israel. And he had enough faith in God's word to say, you know what, if that's the case, I haven't seen the throne yet. I don't have a crown on my head yet. There's no giant in all the camp of the Philistines that can take me out if God's word is true. If God's not ready... I'm not going anywhere. Amen. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to choose to be bold. I'm going to choose to do the will of God. I'm going to choose to be what God wants me to be. Amen. And God said, that's the key right there. That's the key right there. Is somebody that will trust my word more than they trust man. Somebody that will trust my word more than they fear the enemy. Trust my word more than they believe the lies that are being spewed out by the Philistines. They'll trust my word and believe my word to be true. I wonder if there's somebody who has faith in the word of God today. That's the key. I said that's the key. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. If you feel comfortable, step out in that aisle right now. Wherever you are, step out in that aisle and lift up your hands and say, God, I believe in you. I'm trusting in you. I'm putting my faith in you. Amen. I, I want your will. I want your purpose in my life. I want to do what you've called and you've ordained and you have fashion for me to do in this hour. I want to be the man that you desire, a woman that you desire me to be. You call me, you've ordained for me to do this. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give thanks to him. Let's give praise to him. Let's give honor to him. Let's worship him. Let's trust in him. Let's put our faith in him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, you, you need to meet that spirit of intimidation at the 50-yard line today and say, you know what? I'm tired of being backed off of promises that God has given to me. God told me thus and so. God spoke to me about this. God has given me confirmation after confirmation concerning this. I am not going to give up on what I know God is able to do in my life. God is able to work. God is able to perform the miracle. God is able to help me to see great things accomplished. Lift up your voice to him right now.